Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the POD cast, your favorite podcast about new metal, where myself and my co-host, uh, who I'm going to introduce in a second, review a classic new metal album every month. This month, of course, we are reviewing Orgy's Candy Ass. And uh, the man who is joining me is a man who, well, you know, most of the jokes I would make here are sexual, and that makes him uncomfortable. So I will just say, <laughs> I will just say that the my my co-host, he is a man who enjoys this album a great deal. It's Brian Quinby. John, I don't. Th- you probably haven't heard this, so I I gotta let you know the news. Uh, there's Hedo Brian now, which is a completely oh, different that's Brian. That's true. That's it's true. Hedonism too, Brian, and he goes to hedonism too. And, okay, uh, and he's good. He'd be comfortable with any kind of sexual stuff, probably too much, actually. Okay, well then I will say that uh, my co-host is uh, is a man who would love to see what new disease you'll fetch. It's Brian Quinby. That's gross. I don't like that at all. It <laughs> makes me sick. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to introduce you as Hedo Brian, and then you would have been fine, and then you would have been fine with that intro. But I said your real name again. That's my fault. I fucking um, offhandedly said on an episode of Street Fight that I would go to hedonism too. Yes, and then uh, decided to decided that I'm just gonna read reviews for hedonism too for the rest of my life instead of doing work and. I, uh, <laughs> Love them. I love every one of them. I definitely went down a hedonism two rabbit hole probably like two or three years ago. <laughs> I want to say very similar experience. Uh, well, what 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 triggered it was there was a I don't know if she was a stand up comedian. I don't even remember her name, um, but she wrote an article um, for like it was like a respected publication. Like it it wasn't like the New York Times, but it would have been something like slate or um vox or vice or one of those places it was like uh this this woman who was in a like happily married to her husband uh got an offer to like go to hedonism too and write like a story about it and so her and her husband went there with like these like clear ground rules that they like weren't gonna like hook up with anyone else. They were just gonna, you know, they were just gonna go check it out. They were getting a free vacation. So they're like, fuck it. And then ended up like swinging. And then she was like writing about it and like, yeah, yeah. Like they didn't end up full swapping or whatever. Like they didn't have sex with other people, but they had sex in the same room as other people. I think she blew another guy. Uh, he like, Mm, that's all fine. Yeah. And another, and another woman like blew her husband or whatever. Anyway, she wrote this like article about it and it was really, it was interesting. Like I just, you know, it was interesting from the perspective of like a guy who will probably never go to hedonism too. Um, and then I was just like, and then in the article, she had talked about how, like, before they went, they were reading some of the reviews and that the reviews of hedonism too are like truly unhinged. And so then that yeah, sent wonderful. that sent me down like a rabbit hole of like reading hedonism two reviews after I read her article and it was like and I remember I'd be like sending excerpts of them to Becca being like <laughs> I'd be like bugging her like being like Hedo John where I'd be like I think I do think yeah. we gotta go I think we gotta go here you know can I bring bring it around to a uh, another horny thing yes here. Uh, Deftones released an album. I knew while that's we what were... you were going to say. I, <laughs> I knew it. 
I was almost going to complete your sentence for you. <laughs> While we were on our layoff, uh, the horniest metal band in the world released an album. Yeah. Deftones released Ohms and uh, unfucking believable albums. What so an album. Good. It's so, so good. good. It's crazy. It doesn't even fucking make sense. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I was thinking about this and, like, how many metal bands lasted after their genre this long after their their genre not even metal just how many bands lasted this long after their genre imploded like just disappeared you know there was no one making disco abba wasn't abba didn't have a sick album in 1992 you know yeah it seems (laughs) like an impossible fucking task yeah to stay on top like that and like not get stale at all like this album doesn't sound like this album doesn't sound like old deftones by any means but it also doesn't sound like a totally new idea no yeah they've been really good at like you can listen to any of their albums and be like oh this is definitely a deftones album but they all kind of have like a bit of a different vibe you know yeah and this one uh this one's really uh, luckily it's heavy as uh, shit yeah, that's what I loved. I was like, fuck, yeah, dude. They just went heavy as shit on here. There are some songs on here that have like like thrash vibes. Like at the beginning of the song, there's there is uh uh what is that song? I like Radiant City and uh, I, I like Radiant number City. three, which is like your Urantia. Your Thea or something. Urantia. Yeah, Urantia. Radiant City and Urantia. Yeah, those songs have like heavy thrash vibes oh, too. Yeah. The start yeah. of your Anthea especially that's, is like those songs are so just heavy. so yeah it makes you want to fucking go crazy like it's un it's just very cool that uh, uh, they're still making good shit and and you know obviously you know I think it means a lot more coming from you John than it does coming from me because <laughs> you know I like pretty much all the albums in the genre that have come out but I think all the bands are doing very different shit. You know, I don't think Korn's still doing the same thing that Korn was doing in 1998 or 2003, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Korn's a little closer to what they were doing back then than maybe the Deftones are. But, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I tweeted this and this is kind of my like sentiment about it is that like I liked Gore, but I think like at the time that Gore came out, I just didn't really feel like I needed a Deftones album. You know, it was just kind of a like, okay, like this is good, but like, I don't need a Deftones album in my life right now. And right in this moment in 2020, it feels like I need a Deftones album. Like, it feels like this is what I want to listen to. I want to put headphones on and I want to listen to this album and just like forget about stuff for a minute. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it awesome. reminds me of, it reminds me of, it's the kind of album that's like that, that, it's it's got a real Mars Volta sort of thing. It doesn't sound anything like it, but it's like when when Mars Volta first came out, when D. Loust and the Comatorium was released, and even Francis the Mute. Those two albums, like every people that liked it, just fucking wanted to sit down and only listen to that. Like they wanted to sit down and not be doing other shit, and just listen to the music. And like I found myself a few times Saturday, I kind of listened to like four or five times Saturday. Cause I did want to talk about it on here. 
And like, I found myself like not looking at my phone and just listening to these songs, which is so fucking hard to make happen now, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Well, and I was like, for me, I've been playing Tony Hawk a bunch. Like I listen to music while I'm playing video games, especially a game like Tony Hawk where you don't really need to hear the sound. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been like awesome. Just Becca usually goes to bed fairly early. She'll be in bed by like 1030 or 11. And then I just head out into the living room, throw on Deftones, play some Tony Hawk. And it's, uh, it's a good vibe, man. It's an, it's a good vibe for right now. Uh, it is. Yeah, it it's is. just like, it's, it's crazy too. Like, I think their last couple albums, um, like I, I, I don't think Deftones have ever put out a bad album, but I think with, uh, Koino Yokan and, um, and, uh, Gore, I think there were parts, the songs on the album I like didn't love even when I was like listening to it. And I'm like, okay, this is good but there were definitely songs where they, it didn't grab me or I didn't love it. And like this album is just like front to back. Like, I don't think there's any song on it. I don't like, um, and then, and yeah, I love just some of the new vibes for me. Like Genesis is the song that really stands out for me. The first track. I just think it's, it is so cool. They just have, so it, it reminds me of like hum or like those bit, like really big, like wall of guitar bands, I think Steph is playing like a nine string guitar now for some reason. Cause like, <laughs> why not? You know, sure. Just throw a ninth string on there. Who gives a shit? So like, too, it's just so heavy and corn. good. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so awesome. I, I, I love that song for me. Pardon me. That song is already in like the pantheon of best Deftone songs for me. I've listened to it a ton of times, especially cause it was one of the first singles. So like when it came out, and I don't normally listen to singles before albums come out. I'm usually like, I just want to wait or I'll listen to like it. I'll listen to a single once and they'll be like, okay, I get it. But like, I'm just, I'll wait until the album comes out and then listen to it all as a unit. But Genesis, I must've listened to five or six times before the album came out. I was just like, this song is too good. I, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it, their output is insane. I don't understand. I don't understand how Chino's voice is still so good. Um, I, I think he started taking care of that in like, the the late 2000s i i actually read a thing about well you always read the classic article from metal singers about when they decided to start taking care of their yes voices. exactly and they go see that like <laughs> one woman there's like that one uh there's that one vocal coach who basically coaches like every top screamer in the, in the business not that Chino's like a screamer, but obviously like he screams at some points or whatever. Mm. And yeah, like that she's the big like rock singer that that does it. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking cool though, that that there is that person out there. I wish I could do that. You know, I've been saying my dream vacation now is uh I want to go so far away from people that I can scream as loud as I can for as long as I want. <laughs> I mean, that shouldn't be that hard to do. I mean, just there's got to be like a place in rural Ohio that you can make that happen. No, I mean, I want to <laughs> stay somewhere and I want it to be out in the woods. Okay. You know, like I really want to go out to the woods. I don't want to go. Rural Ohio is all farmland. Yeah. Okay. Like the whole middle part of this country, of this state. Well, I'm in the dead middle of it, but the stuff between Cleveland and Cincinnati is all just farmland. There's, you know, there's some woods here, but it's not right. So you want to be able to scream, but you also want it to be woods. I, yeah, well, I always want to be in the woods. Whenever I say I want to go on a vacation, it's to the woods because (laughs) like, 
<laughs> I, I grew up in the suburbs and I've lived in the city all uh, most of my adult life and i'm just like yeah everything with trees is the woods and it sounds wonderful yeah. and i want to go there no that's fair <laughs> i mean we we grew up in like i grew up in canada i say we because dan's also on the call but we grew up in canada where there's lots of trees here so I, we we feel like you know i i'm not that we're in the woods by any means but uh we don't have to go too far to be in the woods. I mean, Dan's in the woods right now, if you know what I mean. He'd been yeah, fake woods. Been though. smoking those we have trees. Fake woods. Been smoking them trees. <laughs> we have. That's so gross the way you said that. And Dan added that out too. We had to edit something out earlier. While you're at it, just pop over and edit that weirdness out. I mean, I, th- I thought that was probably the coolest thing I've ever done on 14 episodes of this show. So. That's probably I'm just trying true. to relate I mean, to our younger fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I are so old. <laughs> it's funny when like when uh, you know, I know we have fans that are, you know, like 21, 22 years old and it doesn't even make sense to me that they like this music. Uh, and it makes even less sense that they want to listen to two guys in their my mid 30s and your early 40s talking about new metal, but I appreciate them. I'm glad they do. I'm glad they they listen to it, but it is very funny to think about. It is. It is. But I mean, you know, listening to, we were there for it. True. I think is the real thing where it's like when we were growing up, not me because I was an asshole and I didn't like adults, but like people would like sit at the sit at the under the learning tree with adults about like fucking Led Zeppelin and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Know? Definitely. <laughs> what was it like to be alive when Pink Floyd was doing <laughs> it, man? You know. I know my dad told me one time and like my dad likes music, but I think I've talked about this maybe on the show before. I don't remember. So if I have, forgive me, but my dad was just like the type of guy that um like had just his songs and then that and that was it so like for example like when you could first like burn cds i burned my dad like a you know a 16 song mixtape of songs he liked and he just exclusively listened to that in his car for over a year before he asked me for another one and like we're talking like he commuted an hour each way to work I think in the morning, in the morning, <laughs> he would listen to the radio. And then in the afternoon on the way home, he would listen to the CD. So just like every day for 300 some odd days, he just listened to that one mixtape. That's it. He's like, ah, oh, these are my 16 songs. I'm good to go. And so like, I never really thought of my dad as like a big music guy. Like I knew that he liked music and stuff and he had like pretty good taste as far as like classic rock goes. But then one day, like out of nowhere, he just dropped like, oh yeah, I saw the who with Keith Moon. And I was like, what (laughs) that was like my and i'm not the type of guy that would get like you know but that i was like are you fucking kidding me and he's like yeah maple leaf gardens i saw the who keith moon was still alive i was like whoa okay we need to have a more serious console yeah my dad saw acdc with bon scott in a really small venue and like to me you know growing up i thought acdc was dog shit but uh as i've gotten older i've been like you know what I get what ACDC's doing and it kicks a lot of ass. <laughs> yeah. I get what they're doing. I don't like it, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Which mean, I, just, like nice, I don't think you know? I understood. I think that's a nice thing to do. <laughs> I get what you're doing. Yeah. I hate it, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. I, I, I think it's I like I think it's fun, whatever. Like ACDC, I, I wouldn't listen to it a lot. And 
you know, all I really know is Back in Black, that album. Yeah, of course. But uh, I just, Bon Scott with ACDC is such a party band, like a party legend band that like I thought I would have thought they were fucking cool. You know, he was fighting guys on stage and shit like that. Just like. It's yeah. just so up my alley and so rowdy. And my dad is just not a fucking rowdy guy. So, but my aunt, like he was with my aunt and my mom and my aunt met Angus Young and shit ah, and had a picture with him that cool. she had framed in the living room for a very long time that I thought was like, that's a big that's aunt cool, move. Man. That's I can't believe she met energy. a famous. I love that. Yeah. She met a famous. I was so fucking cra- crazy about her what, meeting a famous person. You know, that was that was the big fucking deal to me was like, I can't believe you met a famous person because they just aren't <laughs> here. You know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think like I, I do think sometimes like what are those bands for me? Like if I have kids and I don't think there's any aside from uh radiohead i feel like that might be the one band where my kids will be like whoa you saw radiohead you know and i'll be like yeah twice or whatever and you have woodstock 99 which i feel like will always be something cool that if i had to pick a band that i'm i would brag about seeing it's pantera but my daughter doesn't give a shit but i did get to see pantera which is something that's not going to happen again true yeah that's the cool like that's what i mean that 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 would be my but yeah no i think like yeah pantera is a cool one because like you said they're they're just done as a band so that's a really cool one but yeah i just think like i I don't know you know i I don't know that my kids are going to be like whoa you saw alexis on fire 10 times or whatever like i don't think they're not gonna, they're not like <laughs> there's not it, it's so impossible to know like what the i mean i saw taylor swift like does it like will that be like the thing i mean but even then i don't know that there's like a timeless quality to her music that like 15 years or 20 years from now my kids will be teenagers listening to that like i don't think they're i don't think kids are going are going to go back and listen to 1989 probably um, no. so it's like a, I saw green day. I saw Weezer. Like maybe those are like the types of bands that will have like a timeless quality to them. But yeah, it's, it's hard to know. I guess in the moment you just don't really know. And then you just kind of have to see how history plays out, plays itself out. Weezer might be one. My, yeah, my daughter likes Weezer. Weezer. So like yeah. that, that's something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Neutral your daughter is now. Your daughter is the age that uh, of like kids I try to impress at my job all the time. You know, like I always <laughs> say, like being a teacher is like you just want to be cool to the to the teens so bad. You know, you you just like and not even not like cool even in a hip way. You just don't want them to think that you're like uncool. Like as long as they have yeah. either as long as it's like no feeling about you to thinking you're cool as long as you're somewhere in that barometer you just never want them to be like oh my god cullen's talking about alexis on fire again do you think yeah yeah it's it weezer's the one right like that's that's probably gonna be it but they don't i mean like i mean you know this better than i do it's so impossible to figure out what they're going to be into anyway that it, it could like be anything i mean i took her to see neutral milk hotel I mean, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah. And I got to see it. She saw him when they were like, when she was like eight. And uh, that might be another one that like, that's always going to, that's going to get discovered all the time for the rest of history, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Who knows? Good album. The Deftones, maybe Deftones. I mean, Deftones are still going. So maybe Deftones will be the band that will be like, hey, they never released a bad yeah, album. Yeah, they went too long. Went too long, though. They're <laughs> going too long. You think so? You think they need to be done? I mean, if I, my daughter wanted to see them, she could just see them. You know? Oh, yeah. True, true. I see what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking more of like my children uh, who are un- I mean, even as then. yet unborn. <laughs> Yeah, Even well, then, though, like going. if you had a kid, to, if you had a kid today, they might want to go see them if they were 12 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. In 12 years, it's conceivable that Deftones could still be making albums and it's conceivable that your kid would want to see them, you know? True. Yeah. Fuck. Well, well, let's fucking talk about this band this week. You sent yeah. me some fucking really sad article. We're going to be. I mean, this is going to be this feels like a journey. So before we get into it. Uh, again, this episode was very graciously provided, uh, was brought to you. I feel like we're PBS. This episode was brought to you, uh, by past guest Jordan Yule, uh, because he felt bad that he kind of doctored the, the poll. Pardon me for our one year anniversary episode last month. Pardon me. So he reached out to me and he said, John, I want to make this right. I know Brian desperately wants to review this album, so I will pay and and put orgies candy ass up. So that's what that's what we're doing this month. Orgies candy ass. I'll get I'll hit you with some facts. Uh, and then we'll talk about our history with the band. So this album came out August 18th, 1998. Uh, they were the first band that were signed to Jonathan Davis's elementary uh, records uh, elementary uh, with like tree T R E E very cool play on words there. Uh, obviously uh, orgy probably most famous for playing the family values tour 1998, uh, which was a new metal touchstone. Obviously that was the tour that featured corn ice cube, Rammstein, limp biscuit incubus and orgy. Uh, this album uh, did quite well. It went double platinum uh, it peaked at number 32 on the U.S. Billboard 200 um, and ended the year at 97 on the Billboard charts in 1999. So uh, might have sold more copies than you thought. But yeah, it went double platinum in the U.S. Uh, obviously, after this album, uh, the returns for uh, Orgy were were diminishing, but uh, this was their this was their big hit. However, the um, their follow up album, Vapor Transmission, uh, also did okay as far as the charts go. Uh, it, they're the first single off of that album reached number six. Um, the thing, this single was fiction. Uh, but then other than that, that's pretty much it. That's all you need to know uh, about Orgy. Those are all the facts. Brian, uh, obviously this is an album that you have wanted to do for quite some time now. Uh, we always start by talking about our history with the band. So uh, talk about your history with Orgy and why you, uh, you know, got into like wanted to review this album so bad about the album with uh on release day day before release day again i had a hookup uh and uh it was because the elementary records signing big deal for me right you know the first band on there uh and it just felt like shit i have to get into this also came at a time in my life where I was looking for something new and uh, uh, it just hit exactly right. It hit at the exactly right fucking time. Cause I wasn't ready for like Radiohead and the Mars Volta and at the drive-in and shit. Like I wasn't ready for any of that shit. 
or, or even for the period I liked Rush. Like I wasn't <laughs> ready for that kind of shit. Uh, uh, I was only I, I was ready to move on and to do something different, but it still kind of had to be heavy. So had to be in that new metal world. So, uh, you know, this is also around the time I got really into Wu-Tang Clan. Like I just I was looking for something fucking new. And uh, this happened to be it because this sounds just enough different. Yes. Than everything else, but not too different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I saw them twice. Uh, I saw them on Family Values Tour 98. And then I also saw them on a, a, a live alone with two local bands opening for them at a, a smaller venue here not a small venue just like the uh the the what used to be the mid-size venue is now is like one level down from that and uh fucking you know they were good enough but they're not a memorable <laughs> concert i i basically here's what i remember about that concert okay uh, uh the opening band sucked and the guys that i went with were all on meth <laughs> <laughs> Two very memorable facts about <laughs> about the orgy show. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect draw. This is meth music. This is meth and coke it, music. Though. Yes, it does feel like that. I mean, I've never done either of those drugs, but given what I know about them, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was fucking snorting meth. And then we went to the fucking show and just went bonkers there. And then those people fucking left me there and I had to figure out how to get home because they were all fucked up on math. <laughs> uh, I mean, you and I have very different experiences. I was 13 in 1998. Um, and yeah, this was a band that um, I just didn't like uh, to be fully honest. I, they Wild. kind of, yeah, I, I just, th this was so, I mean, if you think of it, like, you know, you're in 1998. You're now as a guy four years removed from corn self-titled. You've been in this new metal world for, you know, you said you kind of really got into it in 95. So you've been like listening to this music a ton for three years at this point. 1998 is like my entry to new metal. Like that's when I'm just getting into it. Like the freak on a leash video is out. Um, you know, Limp Biscuits kind of there, but it's really just about corn for me at this point. I love follow the leader. I'm just kind of getting into this music and orgy was like that amount different that I didn't like. Like it was it's also just, not a 13 year old band, John. No, it's, it's not. It it's not. not 13. No, you're right. And, and, and I think that's the thing is like, I, not that I was ever like a big kind of classic rock guy anyway. Like my dad, like I said, my dad listened to, you know, your usual, your Led Zeppelins and your Aerosmiths and stuff. And I like, I thought those bands were fine. Pardon me, but I was never like in love with any of that stuff. And my dad definitely wasn't into the types of bands that would have inspired Orgy, um, like New Order, obviously, who they cover on this record, which we'll get to Joy Division. I hear some craft work in here. Um, you know, there was none of the, that none of that stuff was even remotely on my radar. I mean, I went from like Green Day, Weezer, Blink-182 to Korn. And orgy just never hit for me um, in in any type of way at the time. So th this is really like, I mean, obviously, I've always been familiar with the Blue Monday cover. Um, I knew Stitches a little bit. I knew Revival because John Davis is on it. 
Um, but other than that, like listening to this record for this podcast episode is pretty much the first time that I've like taken in the record as a whole, I would say. Nice. I I mean, it's probably the worst time. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You're just a, at an A, you're at the total wrong age. Cause, cause I think, I think this is a very like late teens, early twenties sentiment on this album. Like it's very, uh, uh, the, the kind of music that it, I guess like even at the time though, like the kind of music that it was, we weren't super far removed from that joy division and stuff. I had never heard of them either. And I, if I had probably heard them, I wouldn't have liked orgy as much, right. you know, but, but I think like a, a, in retrospect now, that's kind of what I was looking for because when I finally did find joy division, I fell in love with them. Like I, I, I love joy division, but I, right. I, I just had no access or familiarity with them at, at that period. So I, I think orgy even was just kind of a stand in to, me kind of searching for that electronic type music. Yeah, no, that, and that's fair. And I, I think, you know, like a lot of people have that kind of, you know, we talk about, we talked a lot of, on the podcast about like jumping off points, you know, and I think like Radiohead is one of those bands. It's a big jumping off point for a lot of people, like either with okay computer or with kid a, depending on like how old you were, I think, either of those albums are kind of albums that would sort of convert people into more like indie rock fans, uh, for lack of like a better word. Um, and maybe, and maybe pulled them out of new metal a little bit just cause Radiohead does still have that kind of like darkness and heaviness that you can kind of relate to new metal. Um, and yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I think that it's, it's one of those, like you say, if you were, if you were a big joy division guy, you might be kind of like, Oh, they're just sort of, they're just kind of ripping them off or like I like one of the articles that uh, uh, that we're going to read later, but that, uh, you know, I'll touch on a little bit now as I thought was like pretty interesting is um, is the Jay Gordon, the lead singer of Orgy talks about how he like basically based the band off of Blue Monday. Like he he was like, yeah, I've, like like I found the record. I found in the new order record that blue Monday's on in the record store. And I played it and I was like, this is like what I want my band to sound like, which is like a weird, feels like a weird way to like structure your band. Especially cause you're already making the fucking album, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they were already in Lake Tahoe to, to make the album when that happened. Yeah, totally. So it, yeah, it, it, Jay Gordon, fucking weird dude man very seems weird like, dude seems from, like a very weird from, guy from all the car from all the from all the videos and stuff he is i don't know he he's a weird fucking dude man he 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 seems like he's ripping people off a little bit and uh, uh he also seems like he was going to be famous no matter what it took i think he is he's the type of guy that was going to get there no matter what Yes. So Jay Gordon, I, I agree. And so this is the other thing that's going to be like, you know, people are going to be maybe not like this opinion, um, but might agree with me too. Like, so I've talked on the podcast before about how corn and limp biscuit to varying degrees were like scary bands to me. Like that was kind of almost part of what was like attractive about new metal to me is that they kind of like scared me a little bit. I was like, Oh, I, I don't know if I'm 
like, I don't know if I should be listening to this. Like, it was kind of like yeah. I scared myself a little bit. And Orgy was like, took that like another step too far almost for me. So I think there was definitely like, as a 13 year old kid who grew up in a pretty sheltered household and neighborhood to see these guys like wearing makeup, Jay Gordon, like shaved his eyebrows off and he had the like drawn in like super thin eyebrows and they wore a ton of makeup and they were playing this like vaguely electronic music. Their name was orgy. Um, you know, I, I, they, they scared me in a different way that I was not really like ready to, I, as a 13 year old guy, I wasn't ready to be into this, you know? And I think I, I was just such a, I was so when I was that age, I wanted to be popular really badly. I never was as a huge nerd and I was in the gifted program and stuff like that. Like I just, it was never going to happen for me. It wasn't even that I wanted to be popular. I think I just wanted to be like more well-liked and corn was never like unpopular. Even, even if you didn't like corn, they were so famous and they were so big that like liking corn was never going to be something that would affect like potentially being popular. Whereas like orgy felt like a band where it was like, Ooh, if people found out, I listened to this band where the lead singer is like, he's a guy and he like wears makeup and he's got like dyed hair and you know, it just, there was something about it that, and I'm, I'm wrong. I'm not saying that this is like a correct opinion to have, but it just, I think I felt at the time that like, that's just not a band that I could be listening to for the kind of social status of it, which sounds weird, but, (laughs) but like, but, but true, you know, I think it was something that I would have thought about. I would have had a really hard time telling people like, Oh, have you heard this band orgy? Um, and then they see, then they look into it and they're like, what the fuck? I was out of school at that time. So like by this time I'm already out of, I'm already out of high school and like, uh, uh, it didn't matter what, people i i guess to me it did and i was willing to i was ready to start like i was ready to start like experimenting not experimenting with like like different kinds of music you know like i was ready to start also it was when i figured out that like you can be cool and look totally different you know like uh uh and it it orgy is hyper masculine i i don't think there's anything about this band that i i i just think they're like dudes they come off as guys who dress like that to have sex like 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 fucking yeah. uh the hair metal bands that's how they come off to me totally no and you're that's right. how they came off then too you know <laughs> i just wasn't i wasn't old enough to understand that you know i was like yeah. i went to a high school where everybody wore stuff from the gap and american eagle and like, we didn't, you know, so it, it, I totally agree. Like looking back on it now as a 35 year old man, I'm like, okay, I can totally see what they were going for. And I agree. Like, I'm sure that, I mean, Jay Gordon's a good looking dude. I'm sure he had no problem sleeping with whoever he wanted to. It was, but yes. And I agree that there, there is a masculinity to their music too, very much so. But at the time it just, I'm 13. I've got like a baby brain and I grew up sheltered, not an excuse, but it just, it, it just was the, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even that I was like, Oh, this guy's probably gay. So I can't listen to this. It was just like literally being scared. Like uh, of like, uh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can handle this. this it's all, that's all. It's just a, the whole package was a lot, <laughs> was a lot to take in. And considering I didn't love the music, like it wasn't something that I was going to like push myself to listen to, I guess in the same way that like, 
there were things about corn that kind of scared me. I mean, I've talked on the show before just about sex in general. Like I was very afraid of sex, uh, until I was, you know, it's weird. Like I lost my virginity when I was 15. So I got very unafraid of it, but like I was a very late bloomer to it as far as like, you know, when I was like 12, 13, like I was terrified of sex, like corn, like Adidas, I, I would skip it. I wouldn't listen to the song. Cause I was like, I don't, it's like, I'm, I'm serious. Like I couldn't, I just was very, uh, yeah. I, and it wasn't even being sheltered. I just think I was, to me, it was like sex, drugs, and alcohol were all these like scary things that you just didn't do and you didn't talk about and whatever. And there is something that is like kind of, I mean, aside from the fact that they're called orgy, um, just that, yeah, there's just something sexual about them in a way that like kind of scared me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and drugs. Like they yes, feel like a sure. huge drug ban too. Uh, that's why, that's why I even brought up that the people I went to see the show with were on meth. Cause it was just like people that liked orgy, like doing drugs, like in a way that like, even, you know, people like me were like, Whoa, you, you really like doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was just in a, period of my life where like like i said i didn't have to worry about the social capital i do remember my brother was making fun of me but the way he was making fun of me was calling it david bowie music and saying that i like david bowie and i was just like okay i mean he yeah, seems cool. fine yeah. to me but you know yeah. what though i mean i i'm sure that that's like the feelings that i had about orgy are, or we're probably like a small scale version of like how people probably felt about David Bowie. Like, I'm sure that there were, you know, younger kids or, or, or older people who were sheltered, who saw David Bowie, uh, you know, wearing like unitards and, and makeup and the whole thing. And we're like, well, this is, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it, you know, or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, I probably took the David Bowie thing as an insult at the time, but now I, I just am like David Bowie's like the coolest fucking dude in the totally. world. It's just, of course, it is really where you're at in your life where you start to find that kind of, uh, that kind of stuff very cool. And it really is with orgy with me. It was like they were so far away from anything that I would ever possibly be at the time, which is made them cool to me right like it was right. like wow these guys are just they're doing what they want to do like they're living the life that they want to fucking live and that was the coolest thing in the world to me right about those guys because they were also hanging out with all of the guys i thought they were that i thought were the coolest guys in the world. totally yeah <laughs> you know for sure. like orgy's hanging out with corn and limp biscuit and ice cube and fucking rammstein and like all these fucking bands it's like how could i not think that these guys that look that different but are friends with all those bands aren't some of the coolest dudes ever oh totally totally and i think to go back to the drugs thing too like the you know i think a lot of people, especially the younger listeners and stuff wouldn't remember, but like the nineties raves and electronic music were like also having a moment at this time. Right. So like new metals having a moment, but then like the chemical brothers are also having a moment and prodigies having a moment. And like these bands that were kind of, they were more electronic like prodigy and chemical brothers and bands like that, but they were electronic, but heavy, you know, like there are some prodigy songs that are fucking heavy as hell. 
and like in a in a like rock music kind of way and so that was like the scene at the time was like you know raves were a big thing rave culture was a huge thing and electronic music was having its moment and so in a way like orgy makes perfect sense for the time as far as like yeah they were combining the like electronic music with new metal uh with like rock and roll industrial like it it fits in with that with that moment and like you say fits in with again of course like rave culture is also a very uh drug heavy culture as well and so yeah it, it, orgy totally fits in with that like kind of vibe in a way that like no other new metal bands did really i mean like we've said before, like new metal in a lot of ways is more like drinking music than it is drugs music. Um, and, and orgy feels like uniquely drugs music and almost like not drinking music. Like it's hard to imagine like a frat bro, like wanting to get hammered and go see orgy. Whereas yeah, like you I, could totally picture uh, in 1998, a frat guy getting hammered and going to see corn. Yeah. It might even be, that might've even been the thing that, that, grabbed me even more than anything is that you know i i uh never been a big alcohol guy i don't even fucking drink and uh but i love drugs i do drugs all the time <laughs> just as many drugs as i can get i'm a big fan of so i can also see that's probably what drew me to these guys also was just the 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 fact that i like drugs more than alcohol and and i think there was like a section of this type of music that were super uh into art and uh wanted to like like good stuff too you know that that and i think i was on that side there were the frat bros but there were also the people that, that were there from the beginning and and like appreciated maybe things that are a little better than what the frat bros did, I guess. And orgy orgy was a band that was like, Hey, we don't have to, we can go to a place where there's people that aren't like football players, <laughs> like a show. It's <laughs> totally. not primarily made up of like the worst people in the world. People that were making fun of you for like in corn three years ago. <laughs> totally. Well, and I think too, like, even if you think of, you know, orgy's most popular song is a cover of new order. So like realistically, you know, even just looking at it from that perspective, it's probably not going to be football guys and stuff who are like, well, I'm not, I don't listen to orgy, but like that blue Monday song's pretty fucking good. You know, like yeah, in, in yeah. a way that people probably would have been like that with corn or limp biscuit where they might've been like, I don't like listen to corn, but like freak on a leash. Like that's a pretty good song, you know, like, the, yeah. and, and you could totally, I mean, freak on a leash was such a massive song and got the life was such a massive song that, you know, Corn and, and Limp Biscuit after them had that kind of crossover audience that like a band like Orgy wouldn't have had. Like, you know, if you especially like, as I say, if you look at, okay, the, their most popular song ever by far is a cover of a 80s new wave band that was like an offshoot of a more popular 80s new wave band. Like it just, there wouldn't have been that that type of crossover appeal even with orgy being so closely tied to jonathan davis and being on the family values tour and all that stuff i just don't think you know you just wouldn't see that people who were into orgy were into orgy for them you know and you're and you're obviously like an example of that so let's talk about the music a little bit more uh on the record before we get into talking a little bit more about uh the band themselves through these articles and stuff what um 
you know, obviously you liked this album from the get, uh, from the get go. What is, uh, you know, looking back on it, listening to it this time around, what were some of the things that kind of grabbed you about the music? Dude, stitches is what, (laughs) that's the song that grabbed me. Seriously. I just, I think stitches is like a legit good song. Uh, uh, and is a good, it is a good example of what this band does like really good. You know, uh, uh, I like, I like most of the choruses on the album, even now, like now they're a little funny, but back then they really meant a lot to me. You know, some of the, some of the lyrics and some of the choruses, um, I'm trying to think here, but what was it? Dissension yeah, has a really Dissension good chorus. Is a great song. Yeah, it's real fucking good. And and uh, uh, Revival is fucking really great and has a cool chorus. I think they do really good choruses. And uh, um, I don't know. It just sounds like it, it sounds now to me like pop music. It's like really it's slightly it's like a, if somebody had a big computer that had all the kinds of music, pop music would be dialed to eight and then new metal would be dialed to four. And then all the rest of them would be turned down is what I think about this album. Yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. And it's so funny that that's, you know, especially as someone who liked the album back in the day, um, that was something that really stuck out to me is that. I found, um, I mean, this, I, I will say this album kind of grew on me a bit. I, when I first listened to it, my first listen through, I was kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know, you know, and obviously I had some bias going into it, but I was like, I don't know if I love these songs. And I, I did feel like they kind of felt, they kind of sounded the same. They kind of felt the same to me. Pardon me. And then when I like went back and listened to it like a second and a third time, it was like pretty good, you know, in a way that I like wasn't expecting. I think it's actually a pretty good record, but I agree with you in that. I think it's a product of, again, I think trying to maybe fit a little too squarely in the sort of rave electro thing that was happening at the time. Cause like if you go back now and listen to the, the kind of like electro uh, electro records that were happening at that time, like Fat Boy Slim, Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, they were extremely repetitive, and especially in the drum sounds, um, very, very repetitive drum beats and drum sounds. Of course, I mean that's what you wanted a rave, but like I think EDM and and like what kind of passes for electronic music now is a little bit different. And I think it's got a little bit more of like a layer and a texture to it, whereas the rave culture then and the electro music back then was very focused on. A, a very similar rhythm pattern and drum pattern. And I think that's what orgy is subscribing to. And I think that hurts the songs because I think a lot of the verses do sound the same because they're very reliant on like a four on the floor, just kind of drum beat. There's usually some sort of synth uh, playing over top of it in the background um, and so, yeah, it, it was hard. I think the first time I listened to it, I was just kind of like, oh, this all sort of sounds the same because of that feature. And then I think once you dig into it a little bit more, you're like, no, okay. They were like, they were good at writing songs, but they just, yeah, they weren't necessarily like fully formed songs. They would have like really good, good and melodic ideas for the choruses, 
but then yeah they some some of the verses and stuff were pretty boring and some of the songs i outright didn't like um but you are you mentioned dissension i think that's one of the best tracks on the album i think that has a really like that's got a good vibe to it and it's interesting so Paige haley the bassist has a writing credit on three of the songs dissension all the same and pantomime and i think that those are like three of the better songs on the record so like i wonder if he um if Paige haley was kind of a you know if he had like a little bit more of a melodic sensibility um, or something like that. Um, but yeah, dissension I loved. And I, I truly, I mean, it sucks when your band gets famous off of a cover probably, but the blue Monday cover is so good. I mean, it's really, really good. Um, and I know it's not that different from the new order song, but it's like, it's heavy and it sounds cool. And that, that drum fill is so fucking cool. And I know they didn't invent any of that stuff, but like, I mean, they invented the guitar sounds and that kind of thing, but like, man, what a good song. I mean, I think that's got to be for me anyway. I know you like stitches. Stitches is fine. The lyrics are a little too weird for me. We can get into that later, but um, really, I mean, they're pretty fucked up. They're pretty weird lyrics. I mean, the truth is I, I, I really like how that song opens and I like how that first verse sounds. Right. And, and then, then it gets real weird. It does, it does, you know, yeah, the first verse is just fine. And then it gets the whole kind of, you know, rolling dice and seeming queer bastard love a sick affair let's see what new disease you'll fetch i mean that fucking you is strange and adored by me throughout oh no it's you again blessing you with every kiss (laughs) so precious you know this hate of mine exploded i'm so deranged you know i will never be the same i love that's a great i'm so deranged i love when you just throw that in a song i'm so deranged i'm so fucked up what if i said here i have a theory okay Okay. i love theories about this now so at that time you had to be really uh, uh conscious of who you were attracting in the new metal sphere now these guys obviously wanted new metal fans so they signed with corn they're very again we'll get to these articles later there's a lot of calculating type yeah, shit with this band you know <laughs> so they we know that they wanted that corn audience and then so they like we're trying to figure out a way to get the cool people in the corn audience with none of the bad people in the corn <laughs> audience. <laughs> so I think some of these songs are written with those really bad, horny, weird fucking lyrics so that, you know, uh, you draw in the bad horny people and not the uh, 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 football players, you know, the bad, creepy, horny people instead of the bad, creepy, horny football players who are just normal people, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I, and I hear that. I, I think it's just like, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, again, this is all colored by the fact that I'm listening to this album in 2020 and I'm 35. So yes. I, I could see at the time, maybe thinking like, Oh my God, these lyrics sound so cool or whatever. Um, but yeah, like those were the two singles off the album stitches and blue Monday. I think stitches is a good song. Like musically, it was just one of those things where I was listening to it and, it, and you can't quite understand all the lyrics because like I said, there's usually just like a held synth line that's in the bat that's like over top of every song and so you can't quite fully understand what he's saying and we're also going to get to an extremely ridiculous quote that he has about his own voice uh later on 
but he, Jay Gordon has that kind of same soundy voice. So you don't, you don't always pick up exactly what he's saying. So it's kind of like my third listen of stitches. And I was like, I feel like he's saying some pretty fucking weird stuff. Like I couldn't exactly pin it down. I was like, it feels a little bit weird. And then I looked at the lyrics and I was like, oh, this is, this is deeply, <laughs> deeply. It's not even like, I don't mind yeah. weird, obviously like weird is fine, but it's just like not good either. You know, it's just like bad, horny poetry, you know? Yeah. I I'm having a hard time getting a toast. I get, I mean, getting a read on the lyrics now after reading the pieces, yeah, uh, uh, is kind of it, it is a little bit different because they come off in a different way in the pieces than like it, that's a really some of this stuff, some of this Rolling Stone stuff, it's, uh, it's nuts. Uh, is really ill advised. Like it it <laughs> probably did damage to the orgy personal brand. <laughs> Oh, it most definitely did. <laughs> but um, I mean, but they, they aren't they fun. They come off. It's so weird that they come off simultaneously, super calculated and not calculating enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, true, true. Um, we'll get to the article in a second. I, um, want to talk about the music a little bit more. So revival, I thought, Revival, I really liked. I, I thought the album was actually kind of, um, you know, usually in new metal, the 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 singles, uh, as is typical of the late '90s, are all front loaded, which isn't really the case here. Blue Monday's right in the middle, number seven. Stitches is number two, um, but I found the middle of the album was pretty draggy. Um, so, like, I think like Social Enemies is a good song. Stitches is a good song. Dissension's a good song. Platinum's pretty good. It's got a good groove. And then Fetisha or Fetisha. Uh, I d- uh, is no sure. good. Um, fiend is no <laughs> fiend is no good. Blue Monday is amazing. Like to me, like I I will I think I think you could make a case. Blue Monday is a top ten new metal song. I'm I'm willing uh. to go. I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to say it's a top. I mean, it's a great fucking song. It's a great cover. Jay Gordon has the perfect register for it. It's a great song. And then I find mm. Gender's not that great. And then it really picks up the last four songs, all the same pantomime revival and dizzy are all good. Um, and yeah, revival's cool. I mean, Jonathan Davis always sounds great when he guests on a track. He just has such a unique voice. It's like a breath of fresh air or something, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was like, pardon me, really kind of brought it back for me. It was like at towards the end, like after blue Monday and I didn't like track five or six or eight, I was like, ah, you know, maybe I'm done with this. Maybe Blue Monday is kind of the peak and we're going to go through a forcible entry situation here where the last five songs are all going to be shit. Uh, and then they really brought it back around for me. And then that's that's when I kind of like, I was ready to not, I was ready to hate on this album, to be honest. And then that kind of just started to bring me around and I listened to it again and the songs at the top of the album started to sound a little better. And I was like, you know what? This might be a good album. You know, the middle of this album does drag. I agree. That's one of the feelings I think here's, here's what I think happened back in the, the, when this came out, right. Is that I skipped, I think I skipped like three songs, right. When I would listen to it and that made it seem better. And it was three songs in the middle. It was probably fetish, uh, for sure and probably platinum and then i came back at blue monday and listened to the back end of it so probably yeah. only two songs that i skipped but they're they are 
bad songs fetish of fiend and platinum is probably what i skipped and then sort of uh uh listen to just the rest of it because i did notice this time that i was like oh fuck this song too yeah we got to do this song but when you said you wanted to put blue monday as a top 10 new metal song i i would actually replace that with stitches and that that is a top 10 new metal song to me. I, I fucking love stitches. I, I think it's, I just think it's like a good song period. Like yeah, it's, it's the good, only it's one I've gone song. back and listened to ever. Right. It's a good song. I, I just don't, to me, it doesn't hit the same as blue Monday, but I hear like, it's definitely the second best song on the album. I, well, dissensions close too. I really like dissension. The groove in the chorus on that track is great. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Isn't it funny? Like, you know, I guess, and and maybe this is just being a being like children of the CD era or whatever. Like we've talked a bunch of times in this podcast about how fucking long these albums are. Like Chocolate Starfish was like seventy six minutes or whatever, and isn't it like kind of remarkable how you go back and there's like songs on these albums that you don't even remember. Like you just don't even remember. Like I like we had that on Significant Other, especially where it was just like it was just so ingrained in your listening habits that it was just like, yep. Every time I put on this album, I skip track three, six, seven and 11, you know, like yes. you just, and it was just, that's just what you did. And you didn't even think about it. It's just, you'd have it in a disc man or you'd have it on your stereo at home. And as soon as that song came on, you skipped it. And it's just so funny. Like I, I obviously I don't have that experience with this album cause I didn't listen to it when I was younger, but it's just so interesting to me that that is like such a feature that comes up on this podcast again and again, where it's like, Oh, I remember listening to this album a lot and I have no recollection of this song whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I tried to listen all the way through cause I was big believer in, uh, uh, I was a big believer in if not every song on it isn't good, then it's a shit album and I won't be listening to it. Damn. But I think I liked the songs enough on this album that it didn't matter that I, it one, it didn't matter that I had to skip and I may not have even skipped every time. I might've just tuned out when the songs came on too. You know, you're not always paying fully 100% attention to, uh, uh, to what's going on when you're listening to a CD like this. And, uh, I think I, I, I maybe, like I said, I, I may have tuned out that middle, middle piece of it and just, you know, listen to the songs I liked and, uh, about revival, uh, this <laughs> is one of the most embarrassing things about me as a person. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> I always love that start of a sentence. <laughs> It's a great start tried, of a sentence. Here's one of the most embarrassing things about me as a person. <laughs> I tried to get me and Katie just got together in 1999 and I tried to get her to agree that that was our song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I'm guessing I'm guessing she didn't go for it. I mean, no. <laughs> okay, let's. She didn't want to come up with a song, man. She let's she didn't want us to have a song. Let's read the lyrics of the song that Brian wanted to uh, 
have is his, him and his wife's song. They made us with a tool. Then they taught us how to live. We met the candy. <laughs> we <laughs> we met the candy man who filled us with his contraband. Then they scared us all away. When you're visiting your bubble of reality, salivating at the sound of the bells, uh, I'll be seducing you through your confession. They've been the ones you've known forever. Someone's been lied to with all the rage. Caught us dismal at times. We've known forever. <laughs> But it sounds like sexy. It's kind you, of sexy. you've been you've been denied of supervision, just a test tube life away. How yeah. could you make how could you make believe that we've grown with circumcision when it's right here next to me? <laughs> yeah, that's what I I needed. I needed a fucking <laughs> anti circumcision song <laughs> to be my wife and I's song. I'm just imagining the first dance at your wedding is Revival by Orgy featuring That's, Jonathan Davis. But that was what I was fucking picturing. <laughs> That's You're like saying like, oh, that's a funny thing that I'm picturing. I'm telling you that like the picture in my head that was that we were kind of doing like a, a, a sort of romantic but heavy metal dance to that song at our wedding reception. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that might be my favorite fun fact about you and your wife. Uh, and that <laughs> and that includes her taping a picture of Fred Durst on the wall behind you while she had sex with you <laughs> and it's... pictured you as Fred Durst. I think this is a more fun anecdote. My glasses are fogging up. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> it was a mess. I was a mess, dude. I just what what did your wedding song end up being? We don't have a song. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was such a bad suggestion. She was just like, it's off, it's off the table. She probably didn't want anything to do with because we got married just in our house. But I mean, I, I don't think I was ever even planning on getting married. I just like wanted to be our boyfriend, girlfriend song. Oh, okay, too. right. That was when, <laughs> when you slow danced alone in your bedroom or something. Right. I was fucking 20. <laughs> I was oh, at yeah, least yeah, 19. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. It's a normal Man, that's thing good, just that's to have a song. <laughs> totally. I mean, I love it. It's that's incredible. Good for you. Good for you, man. When you read the lyrics, it really because it's just like <laughs> the people are the people that listen to this and don't listen to the albums are going to be like Brian's a fucking sick freak. But like when you hear the song, <laughs> it's got like this piano thing going on and. It sounds like something, it, truthfully, it oh. sounds like something that vampires would dance to at their <laughs> wedding. That's what I was going for. I was going for an interview with a vampire vibe at my like wedding. Vampires. <laughs> I love it, man. That's incredible. Now, do you, did she like, did she know the song? Like, was she like, did she know the song well enough to be like, absolutely not? Or did she have to like, listen and then make a decision? I mean, she had to sit. We basically, I lived in an apartment with uh, another two other guys. There was a two bedroom apartment and the other bedroom was split in half with a tarp. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I slept on a twin bed with no sheets. And uh, it was just a filth house. Mountain Dew bottles full of cigarette butts. And we hung out in my bedroom all the time. And, uh, uh, you know, we were young, so we were having, like, tons of sex and stuff. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm watching TV. There's a TV in there. That was just the place to go. There's also the only room in the house where you were allowed to smoke was the bedroom. Okay, sure. Classic. Yeah. And so we went in there. We would hang out in there and I would just play music and then Nintendo 64 and she would kind of just sit there with me. Right. And uh, so I played that song a bunch of times and said, I think this is our song, Katie. And she was just like, no, it's not. (laughs) Don't know why you think this. (laughs) I think she even at one point said, don't we both like get to pick that? (laughs) (laughs) That's why, uh, you know. That's why it's important to have another voice in a relationship. Uh, <laughs> Cause then you would have revival as people's wedding songs. I, I, I'm like, I would love a scenario where that, where you're just like, you know what? I don't care about my wedding. You can plan, you can plan everything. Everything can be your way. I just have to have revival. That's the only thing I want. <laughs> I don't care. You can do everything. You yeah. know, cause like couples will often barter like that, especially like, I feel like, Men, it's usually they they just barter for one thing. You know, it's your wedding, it's your dream. You do whatever you want in a in a heterosexual relationship. I mean, of course, uh, you know, where you're just kind of bartering. Okay, that I just I don't care. We just got to have this one thing for me. You know, that would that I'm picturing that as your thing. I know you hate this song, but like, that is just, I need it. That's my. You can do every flowers. I don't give a fuck. You want to have blue, yellow? I don't give a shit. Fuck whatever you want. Just give me revival. Yeah, that's what I was at. That's <laughs> that was basically what I was with because I, I really don't care about weddings, but but I think the main thing in my mind was that we would be doing like a, a, a kind of I don't know like an interview with the vampire style right. dance to that song at our wedding, yeah, and you know have... I was going to be wearing a fucking cool satanic suit. Somehow I was gonna it would say, be yeah, satanic. You... You're going to have like a blood red crushed velvet suit with a turtleneck on and you're going to insist uh, that you be referred to as Lestat for <laughs> for the for the only for the wedding ceremony day. It's the only two things I want, Katie, you act like it's such a big deal. All I want is revival and for the officiant to call me Lestat. So I'm not well, asking mean, for much. Let's be honest. I wasn't asking to walk down the aisle to revival. Oh, I, I was probably asking to walk down the aisle to be quiet and drive acoustic <laughs> version. I mean, that were, I mean, you, I, that's fine to me. I think that's a nice song. Yeah. We didn't walk down the aisle though. So right. I mean, so if we a- had done that, it's a possibility. I could have made that one happen because she yeah. does like that song. Nice little song. The acoustic yeah, version the acoustic version's like romantic sounding. You got Jonah Matranga on there. It's good to go, man. That's a, Perfect. what a story. One of the best ever told on this pod. And speaking of crazy stories, let's, let's talk about these articles. So if you're new to the POD cast, uh, Usually to kind of wrap up our review, we look at some articles from the time period uh, about these bands. And so this is, uh, you know, this is from September 16th, 1999. So this is now a a full year after Candy Ass has come out. And of course, uh, Rolling Stone, you know, uh, just a great title. It's like if, if I gave you five guesses as to what the title of this article would be, you would get it within one uh, the title of the article is Orgy's Climax. So Yeah, it's a good article. That I mean, they really were asking for that. They though. were. And yeah. so yeah, the 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 subtitle is uh with a little determination and a lot of eyeliner, 
Five LA goth kids wrote a New Order cover right into their own rock and roll fantasy. So this is from 99 by Gavin Edwards. I love the start of it right away. Right away, just terrible energy. Uh, two hours before Orgy are due to perform at Philadelphia's Trocadero Theater, guitarist Ryan Shuck is as restless as, restless as a fourth grader the day before summer vacation. Great metaphor. Uh-huh. Hey, is there an after show party? He asks. Yes. Let's go there now. This plan is greeted oh, with silence. Shit. So he continues to complain. I don't feel good. I'm well rested, but I feel sluggish. His solution. I better get drunk. My personality's in this bottle someplace. Uh, 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 here's the thing. I would usually be like these I you know, he's 24. This is what 24 year olds do. But these guys were older guys. Yes. Too. Yes, they were. So they explain that in what in the piece that they're actually probably in their 30s. Yes. And you're not you're just not supposed to act like that, no. especially when you make it in your 30s. It's not like they were one of them was fucking painting houses for a time. It's like, dude, uh, uh, you got to know better. You got to be a little more self-aware. <laughs> totally. Totally. I know. And like, we've talked about this on the pod before that it is kind of like fucked up that a lot of new metal was like written by like 30 year olds for 14 year olds. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like it's just, uh, I mean the whole, the vibe of this article fucking stinks. Um, shock, uh, this go- li- little later, similar vibe wearing makeup puts orgy at the end of a rock and roll genealogy that begins with the New York dolls and extends through David Bowie, Cinderella and Marilyn Manson. A lot of people look at the makeup and think Duran Duran says shock. Fuck that makeup, clothes, music. It's all art. It's like what? What was <laughs> what's he trying to say? Like Duran Duran wasn't art, like wasn't music or wasn't art. Very confusing. Uh, and then an orgy take their art seriously enough that each member lugs a large case of cosmetics from one city to the next. And then here's the it's line you're art. talking about. But there are some things Orgy can't cover up with lipstick and powder. Although they look like teen goths out on the town, they're actually closer to their 30s. Shuck is 26, and Amir Derek, who plays the guitar synth, is 36 and has a 12-year-old Jesus. son. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's always funny when you hear 12-year-old son for yeah, some reason. Totally. Sons are infinitely funner than funnier than daughters big time that's fucking crazy yeah a 26 year old will act like a dipshit that's for sure i'm not saying that like 26 isn't super old but 36 you need to like know that you're not better when you're drunk by the time you're 36 i i think that's an important that's an important thing to learn approximately when you're like 24 four i think (laughs) you should learn that by then you're not better when you're drunk you're never better when you're drunk nobody's better when they're drunk there's not a single fucking person in this world that's better when they're drunk totally one i don't like the like uh you know the whole trying to be kind of oh my personality's in that bottle someplace Oh, yeah, is it? Okay. Oh, I also hate, uh, uh, hey, you guys want to go to the after party now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just before the show, like, just like that's a regular conversation that definitely happened. Hey, oh, is there an after party tonight? Oh, there is. Let's just fucking do that, man. Ooh. There's never an after party either. I think that's another no. thing. 
these guys just say after party because that means that people are like, oh, they must be doing the rock star thing. They're they go they're going to an after party. I never fucking been to an after party in my life, and I've done a lot of live shows. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think once you're famous, there's after parties, but I don't know that Orgy was ever famous enough that they'd be having big. I mean, this is a theater show. Like, I don't feel like you'd be having an after party after a theater show, but it was the 90s. It's a different time. Um, yeah, they were. So I guess, I mean, after party is four people on a bus. Yes. You know? Yeah, because it's like what, you, you want to delay. Talking about. Yeah, you want to delay going back to like the bus you live on. So you're like, I yes. want to feel free. I want to be out somewhere and go to a party. Yeah. And they yes, were touring yes. on a bus because we're going to learn that later in the article. So the article also mentions, which Brian, you brought up to me a few times, uh, that they were Calvin Klein models. Uh, so Jay Gordon and Ryan Schuck both did print ads for Calvin Klein. And the article also notes that there's a large crowd of teenage Philadelphia girls that gather outside of orgy's bus, mm. hoping for a glimpse of Gordon. Um, and then, yeah, this is, uh, this is, we learned a little bit more about Jay Gordon here, which sucks ass. Uh, he says, I retreat, I is the writer in question. I retreat to the bus where Gordon is stripping off his now even more sodden clothes. He tells the band's road manager to stash the garments in the closet with the vacuum cleaner. I wonder out loud who does the vacuuming on Orgy's tour bus. Gordon brightens. Actually, this morning I did at 5.30 a.m. I went up and down the hallway making sure everyone was awake. Now, God, he sucks. If that's not a drug band comment right there. Everyone needed to be awake at 5:30 a.m. So I started vacuuming our tour bus. <laughs> Just <laughs> what well, awful and, shit. <laughs> and and like uh uh yeah, the the partying sounds fucking terrible. And these guys were putting on such a show for this Rolling Stone reporter oh that he should be ashamed that he didn't point out that they were putting on a show for him. Just he should feel shame for this little paragraph here. I visit the dressing room for a few minutes later and discovered that the mood off stage is somewhat more cheerful than on. Most of the band members are busily throwing things at one another, specifically Coca-Cola ice and acoustic tile pulled loose from the ceiling. Like they don't do that every night no of course all. not i mean i've you know i'm 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 buddies with a couple you know decent like bands that would be at the level that orgy was at at this time you know a pop and tokyo police club i've got some friends in those bands and i've hung out with them backstage and this is not no one does any of this it's no like you it just, wouldn't be invited back to any venues no no here's so, something yeah. i'll tell you when you go to those theaters when you go to those theaters and perform, they, I, I performed at one of the like legendary rock and roll theaters in uh, Indianapolis called the Irving. I think that's what it's called. Okay. And uh, the guy came out and told me, uh, uh, you know, Van Halen played here. And like, uh, uh, I forget some of the other bands they named, but he explained all these huge bands that played there. And it felt like in a way he was like saying, so like, don't think I'm impressed with you at all. <laughs> right. And I'm right. sure <laughs> that is exactly the treatment orgy got to. Oh yeah. To oh, of course. Of course. Especially like this is probably <laughs> their first like headlining tour, right? Like realistically, if it's in 99, they had done family values in 98. So this is likely their first headlining tour. So yeah, of course, like they're not going to be like, oh, whatever. 
Um, <clears throat> they're not a lot. famous enough for those sound guys and shit no. and the guys that run those venues to give a shit. No, of course not. Who they <laughs> are. If they're ripping tiles off the ceiling, they're fucking gone. You know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. And then, so this is where we find out, like, you know, you had mentioned earlier that they were going to be, that Jay Gordon was going to be famous one way or the other. So here, here we find out some more. Uh, good info. Uh, although Gordon has only recently ascended to the showbiz glamour of early morning hoovering, he has been around the wor- music world all his life. His father, Lou Gordon, was a Bay Area manager who worked with Tower of Power and Sly and the Family Stone. In fact, Sly Stone is Jay Gordon's godfather. Quote, I was on stage with Sly and the Family Stone at age two, he says, shaking a little tambourine. Which like... You would think that, especially at this time when like selling out was seen as like such a negative thing and all this, you wouldn't like, why are you talking about this? This makes you look bad. This does not make you look cool or good. It makes you look like you were put in a position to succeed because your dad is a famous manager. Yes, absolutely. There's that. But he was also like a dude that seemed like he was ready to go. He, he even had more pool and he, he, he had done more stuff. Like he was hustling very early on. Cause there's the part in there where he says in recent years, he's been trying to put bands together. One of those bands lit went on to success of its own. Recently, Gordon claims that his only connection with the group is that the guys in lit bought the name from him. <laughs> and that was like kind of my first funniest. That is one of the funniest facts we have ever read on this whole podcast that the band lit bought their band name, which is a single three letter word from the lead singer of the band orgy. Do do you think rappers, when they say lit as fuck, they got to kick back some money to Jay Gordon? (laughs) I mean, he seems like the type of guy who, if he could monetize that, he would have found a way. Um, Well, that was the first, that was the first thing I looked at. That was the first time I was like, there's fucking something off about this guy. I don't like this fucking guy at all. For me. And it was selling at somehow fucking miraculously selling the name lit (laughs) to the band lit. Like they couldn't (laughs) say, fuck you, Jay Gordon. Okay. Fuck you. We're lit. It's a word. Sorry. Go for it. But then you come to find out later on that Jay Gordon is actually very litigious. So it probably was the right decision to buy the name lit from Jay. Gordon. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I hated him before that. So before he even gets to that in the article, they talk about how he's like a big dude. He's six foot four and he played football uh, in high school. And then he says, quote, I went through the sports thing, he says, but I found out I was a better criminal than any of that. Which, like, I yeah. mean, my eyes are rolling so far out of my who talks like I was a better criminal than any of oh my god and then it doesn't sound like he was a great criminal because he was like in a vivid illustration of the pitfalls of the criminal life at 13 Gordon got shot in the left leg when he was walking home from school and he claims that the attack was completely unprovoked (laughs) he says the bullet remains in his leg to this day quote that was enough to make me think maybe I associate myself with the wrong people he says although I've still been known to hang out with the biggest fucking goons in the world I'm a tough motherfucker, even though I wear makeup. Hey, don't mistake my makeup for weakness. That it's is art. That's Brian. It's art. It's shot. art. His makeup, you know, 
Fuck. Yeah, he didn't get shot. Number one, and if he did get shot, his only criminal story is that he got shot not doing criminal shit. Yeah, he like was just somebody wa- that a real criminal came up and shot him, and then <laughs> he got like, shot by accident. And then he and the, he, that's if he did get shot, he got shot by accident. Let's call it what it is. He was not the target of the shooting. And then he's also like, I still hang out with the biggest fucking goons in the world. Oh, who your 36 year old bandmate that has a 12 year old son. Yeah. Big fucking goon. God, this guy pisses me off. I I told you, like when I found this article, I sent it to you and I was like, man, orgy, I can't even. And then he just like, there's so much lying in this article. Like, it's just crazy. Like, so it says that he, around this time, Gordon discovered heavy metal, uh, sneaking out of the house to see Metallica in the early eighties. He sang in his own band until he screwed up his voice, presumably from too much screaming at 16. He had laser surgery on his throat and assumed that his singing career was over. He started learning to play the bass instead. He says that he once had a range of two octaves and could handle the vocal parts of Freddie Mercury and Prince. I do. I I did like that. I like that one though, because it's so, I used to hang out with a guy. uh, I've told this, I've not even told this on here. I used to hang out with a guy that used to say him and his friends broke into Buster Douglas's car and stole his title belt, but he couldn't show us because it was always at his other friend's house. (laughs) Right. It's like my girlfriend goes to another school. It's like that classic. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you can never meet her. She goes to the other high school that's like a mile from here. So you you can't, you know, you can't meet her. You've never heard of her. Yeah. I mean, you know. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so yeah. funny because it, it is funny because there's just like it's one of those statements that there you just couldn't refute it like how, like how like it's the same thing with the Buster Douglas thing like you, you can be like no you didn't and then he's like yes I did I have the belt it's in my friend's house and you, it's like what do you even say it's the same thing it's like you can't so you could be like no you no you couldn't sing it I mean Freddie Mercury is like widely believed to have one of the like greatest ranges in history and this guy's like not only could I sing like Freddie Mercury, I could also sing like Prince. So don't even, and then it's just so hard to square with like, how does it feel to treat? Like, it's like, you know, I mean, okay, you had what? So you had laser surgery on your throat, but you used to be able to sing at like an incredibly high level. And now you can kind of just like, like, Oh my God. What is fucking laser surgery anyway? Especially like, in what? the 80s on your vocal cords. <laughs> you were getting laser surgery as a 16 year old on your vocal cords. Well, you know, my dad's an engineer. He knew I was going to need these fucking pipes, <laughs> you know? So he, I was in all these bands. I was, you know, I was screaming so much. Now, I didn't have to scream because I could sing like Prince or Freddie Mercury. <laughs> That's the but other hilarious part. You're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> he was supposedly screaming in his band yeah. with a fucking two octave range. <laughs> yeah, I scream, you know, because I didn't want to like conform to like the art norms of like, oh, you can <laughs> sing. Why don't you sing? I didn't. I screamed. I was like, I'm going to fucking scream. And you know, unfortunately I was one of the best screamers that ever existed because I screamed my vocal cords fucked up and then they had to do laser surgery on them. And now I, you know, I can't really sing, but, uh, I, you know, I make what I can of it. 
insane. I know. And then we go on to learn that uh, (laughs) this guy it's fucked. And then we learn that Ryan shock is also a shitty guy. Uh, He know, but he knows Jonathan Davis. So, so Jay Gordon is a, is a very famous uh, or his dad's a very famous manager. And then Ryan shock moved to Bakersfield and was a friend of Jonathan Davis. Sorry. I couldn't hear He's you. He's a LA scene guy. Jay yes. Gordon seems like an LA scene guy. Yeah. So Jay Gordon's an LA scene guy. Ryan Shuck is a Bakersfield scene guy. He's friends with Jonathan Davis. Shuck actually played in Jonathan Davis's first band sex art and uh, their repertoire included a song called blind. A few years later, blind became a hit for corn and Shuck sued for a songwriting credit. When I ask him why he's embarrassed and he pleads extreme naivete saying that he only wanted to have his name on the album. So the credential would help him professionally. And he didn't realize money would also be involved. The case was settled out of court. (laughs) Shuck is now listed as a co-songwriter and periodically gets royalty checks. It's not cool to sue your friend. He concludes. I mean, how (laughs) dumb are these people? Like I just, Oh God. And then, yeah, they go on later to talk about <laughs> Paige Haley. The bassist uh, says that uh, Jay's definitely the best connected one of us, says Haley. He runs his mouth a lot and he's always around everybody at all times. So he meets a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Suing Jonathan Davis is the biggest crime you can commit, I think. Oh, that's like, insane. And especially to just but, be like, I, I just wanted my name on the album. I didn't want any money, but then he somehow ends up with money. Like it just. Yeah. He didn't know there was going to be money involved. He didn't know that when you sue somebody, it's for money. Like there's, it costs money to sue somebody. So, you know, <laughs> God, it sucks. Yeah. They're, they're assholes. This is a group of assholes. These men are are all assholes every one of them the, and and like the other article you sent me from blabbermouth oh my god it's even is just even fucking worse dude can i just like say even, one more thing it, from the it, rolling stone article that's hilarious to me as well uh the 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 article the, yeah, the author yeah. says that jay gordon won't discuss his age but he's apologetic about his reticence saying he wants to keep some sense of mystery around the band <laughs> he's 52 yeah, he's, jay gordon's jay gordon 52 is, yeah jay gordon is right now he's 70 jay gordon was fi- yeah. well, jay gordon was 55 when this like it's just like how do you write this huge thing where you let like a rolling stone reporter backstage at your show you reveal all these details about your life you're like i got shot in the leg i used to be a high school football star blah blah oh my age no, nah, there's got to be. We got to yeah. be a little mysterious, man. I mean, come on. That's a little bit. Even though he lists the ages of the other members of the band. Right. Jay Gordon. It, Jay Gordon was getting the senior discount when <laughs> they were touring on Blue Monday. And he just doesn't want to tell anyone, you know, and that's fair. No, it is fair. It is fair. <laughs> you know, Jay, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to say your age. That's it's all good, baby. You know, not a a weird thing at all that somebody would not want to say that i think i think the age thing is the weirdest thing in the world it's like just say it who gives yeah, a fuck it doesn't- nobody get nobody's uh, you never say your age and somebody's like fuck you're you're old or young and if they do it's like yeah no shit 
Uh, I just love that. That's the, well, I got to keep a sense of mystery about this. You know, what, what can I do? So yeah. Uh, anyway, you want to talk about the blabbermouth article uh, a little bit. We're getting, we're getting deep here, but, but uh, yeah, bring up some stuff. Cause it's truly wild as well. This is, this reminded me a lot of what we went through with the static X uh, review where it's like a lot of like band infighting and everyone involved seems like a piece of shit. It's great though, because uh, uh, Jay Gordon was trying, first of all, he called him a death pop yes. band. Like that's, it's like his, he's branding it now. Uh, uh, but he wanted to uh, uh, do a reunion and he posted on Facebook I have spoken to Amir, Bobby, and the situation about the situation, and neither seem to be angry in any. So, okay, he's he's announcing plans to reform the group with a brand new lineup. He said, "I'm not saying I wouldn't consider playing with the all original lineup at some point, and there has been correspondence between the other original members and myself. This situation is a good thing, and not intended to piss anyone off or anything." He added, "I have spoken to." Uh, uh, Amir and Bobby about the situation and neither seem to be angry in any way. Bobby is making movies and Amir and Rai uh, are doing Julian K. I am friends with all of the orgy cast, so please don't trip. I will keep everyone posted as I know more. Thanks for the understanding. Now, this sounds like we got ourselves a little tour, right? Like, like yeah. uh, Jay Gordon is going to get some people to pretend to be the rest of the guys from Orgy, and they're going to get on the road because Jay needs money. Is yeah, exactly, and, he, and he's not. He doesn't even talk about putting them in masks or anything. No, he he's just, just wants like, to do he's it. Like, yeah, just give me some other guys. I don't. Have, they don't have to be in masks to look like you guys. It's fine. They did a press photo. Uh, uh, at the bottom of this blabbermouth article, there's there's a press photo of uh, uh, each one of them of, of Jay yeah. uh, Jay with the new orgy and Jay with the original orgy, which is, that's kind of nice to let you do yeah. a mix and match. And really the new orgy looks exactly like the old orgy. The, uh, you couldn't <laughs> yeah. tell me those are different guys. You yeah, know? no, it's just, they're just like slightly more androgynous. The new orgy. Yeah. About yeah. 12 hours later, Derek Derek responded yeah. to Gordon's Amir from the band with a statement of his own. <laughs> he wrote, Ryan and I have both discussed recently with a booking agent representing a possible orgy tour that we wanted to be a part of. We only had two conditions. <laughs> One, to have as many of the original members involved as possible. And two, that Lou Gordon, Jay Gordon's father, not be involved. Oh, and there's the key line right there. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Hey, we were totally down to do the tour. I don't know why Jay's saying our schedules don't match up. We just hate his fucking dad. <laughs> what did Jay and his fucking dad do? What kind of slimy shit did Jay and his dad do to these guys? I mean, and the reason I say slimy shit is, is, is his dad has been in the music industry through the which is the slimiest industry and he was in it during the slimiest era oh totally oh my god yeah. i mean well and the, like, the stories around sly and the family stone are nuts so like if you're yes. the manager of sly and the family stone and all the abuse and shit that was going on there i mean yeah there's no doubt lou gordon is a bad dude yeah yeah and they were just like we don't want to and how old is lou gordon the J is like, we got at Well, he's sorry, 70. Deal breaker. Jay's, 50. My dad. Jay's 50. So <laughs> Lou Gordon is 70. 
What, how okay, Jay now Lou Gordon is fucking 102 now, I think. Because <laughs> yeah. Jay Gordon oh, yeah. is is 73. Jay Gordon is 73 years old. He's well into social security. He's doing great. I don't know why he has to go on this tour. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I just it's funny. It's just because the stuff we we talked about earlier, he was definitely so here's my summing up of of Orgy. Jay Gordon is a dude who desperately wants to build a mystique about himself, but he's also not cool or smart at all. Oh, so he's definitely he so dumb. Yeah, he's just not good. He's not the right kind of guy to build mystique about himself, but he grew up around a bunch of guys. Hey, look, you grow up around Sly and the Family Stone. You grow up around some people with some mystique and some like fucking rock star energy type of thing but like just like rich just like this the kids of famous comics don't reach the height of their parents same thing same thing here you like are not as your dad is probably a lot more interesting than you and you should have just been in a metal they, to tell you the truth like i think he would be better off if he had just been in a metal band and and just did that and then he'd probably not have to try to lie and put together an orgy tour oh yeah no totally i agree because yeah it gets like i mean we don't have to go through the whole thing but i mean it just gets so it just gets so messy you know um yeah because it seems like they're trying it seems like the other guys really want to do it yeah and and it seems like they recognize that jay's like a key part of it like they want to do it with him yeah, yeah, but they he's like saying, not meeting are them halfway open. at all. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it says we have told Jay for five years we'd be happy to do the real orgy with all the original members and all the original unique gear that makes orgy such an amazing live act. No, we are not too busy to do orgy. In fact, for the 20th time, at least our agent approached us to possibly do orgy before the end of the year. And Amir and I said, yes, if it's the real orgy, not a hybrid, no impersonators, Jay, Page, Bobby, Ryan, and Amir, the real band. We have too much respect for what we all created together to stand by and watch it turn into a cover band that goes out and fools our fans into buying tickets, thinking they are going to see the real band orgy. Orgy is a band. That's why it's cool. It isn't a person. Uh, I'm sick of repeating myself. And then we learn, guess who owns the name orgy? Jay Gordon. Oh, you don't <laughs> say the guy who sold the band name lit to the band lit owns the band name orgy. Big Absolutely. surprise. Yeah. I mean, he knew he, that's the thing It's like, he seemed to know how to, he seemed to know how to siphon money off of people and he knew how to be in the right position every time i guess uh uh, but he did try to reform orgy he did do an indiegogo and uh oh my god made eight thousand dollars yeah so the just so the the resolving so jay gordon responds to this facebook post just very quick to put a bow on this saying that his idea was that he would play, he would headline the show with the new orgy and that um, Ryan and Amir, their new band called Julian K, it would be a co-headlining tour. So Julian K would play first, orgy would play last, 
And then he was open to playing a couple of songs with the original orgy lineup at the end of the show, which like that makes less sense than anything I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) You have the original orgy in the building and he's like, no, no, I've got the new orgy. We're going to do like 12 songs. Then you guys come out. We'll play stitches in blue Monday and call it a day. That is the dumbest. That might be the dumbest idea I've ever seen. Isn't that, it so crazy? And he even says, he says, quite frankly, I'm a little baffled as I offered Julian K a co-billing on the tour and thought it would be cool if we could all get up there and play a few songs with most of the original members at the end of each most. show. If that's not a sign of respect, I don't know what is. Why is it most? Why can't he put together all the original members I, why does he keep saying most because he's jay gordon he oh seems God. awful he just seems awful you know the thing is looking at him and 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 reading his stuff just makes me excited for when we do vapor transmission someday <laughs> because we get to talk about jay gordon again <laughs> oh my god well and like you said so yeah so we found out that uh in the year uh i believe it's 2017 uh he launched an indiegogo to help him record orgy's album so he uh and you assume i say he because i assume it's just jay at this point this is the uh this is the the kind of uh what he's got here he says the the story um it talks a little bit about orgy the whole band And then it says, as the demand from fans for new music and a tour continued to grow over the past few years, founding member Jay Gordon, hand-selected guitarist Carlton Bost, formerly of Dead Z, guitarist Ashburn Miller, also from Dead Z, bassist Nick Speck from Run Run Run, and drummer Bobby Amaro come together and carry on the orgy name. The guys who have all known each other from their previous projects have mutual respect both professionally and creatively for one another and are excited to be working together to bring Orgy back to the top. The music industry today is very different from what the music industry was. What used to be a thriving industry of large labels has now dwindled down to just a few and has made it extremely difficult to be successful, spelled with two L's. As much of a disappointment as this is, spelled with two S's, It has also opened a door for us to start a brand new label. And with your help, we can achieve groundbreaking results with not just Orgy, but by giving other bands an opportunity and a chance in the industry with us. Without a major label backing and funding, it makes it very difficult and expensive to record, produce, and distribute our music to the fans. Now, tons of bands do this all the time that do not have a previous name like Orgy. So none of this makes any sense. Uh, Jay goes on to detail all of their expenses. He believes it will cost $100,000 to record this album, do a full tour, and he wants money to tour. And uh, yeah, that's what he he's like. We want a hundred grand uh, for this. And to date, uh, well, it's now closed. Uh, they raised uh, 8% of that $100,000 goal. They raised about $8,300. And what I was saying to you, Brian, is... It's extremely funny because all of the perks of this Indiegogo are like copies of the album. So like presumably if you were a fan of Orgy who would buy an Orgy album anyway, you'd be fine being like, oh, I just give 15 bucks to Orgy and when this album's done, I get it. So they went from like 2 million fans to yeah. uh, to like none, to like 200. The, the, the whole Indiegogo campaign has 217 backers. So you had a double platinum album 20 years ago, and you can only get 217 people to say, 
hey, I'm interested in what you're in what you're doing now. Tough. Nobody bought. Nobody got on the level of hang with orgy in the studio. <laughs> Seven hundred dollars uh, Canadian, which I'm guessing is like five hundred US. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred bucks to hang with Orgy pack? in the studio. Honestly, you and I should should have done that. Yeah, we you, should have. We would have hated. Oh yeah, it, every minute of it. But it would have been a sweet story. <laughs> I mean, date with Bam member a thousand dollars. That is like a low amount of money. It's seven hundred US to hang with orgy in the studio back then damn yeah, we missed our shot dude that would be a funny thing for me and you and to our claim. whole and our and whole then, thing is we just try to find out how old jay gordon is yeah i'm mean, like jay just tell dude, us man we know, won't tell anyone we take promise off the makeup just let me let's see them crow's feet jay <laughs> uh uh yeah so i mean you know orgy truly one of the most fascinating bands a great album uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do it. Finally, it's one you've been pushing for, for a while. Let's move on to our tweet defense. Uh, if you're new to the POD cast, this is how we review albums on this show. Uh, basically the rule is essentially that if someone were to tweet at you, Hey, I think orgies candy ass sucks. Uh, how many tweets would you, uh, invoke in a discussion with this person to defend this album? Brian, what's your, what's your score? Ah, this is a tough one for me because I do want to give it a super high score because uh, I really liked it. But I also it's there's a there's too many songs on it. There's some songs I don't (laughs) love, but there's the highs are so high. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it 15, which is wow. I I mean, that is high. Mm, not for me it's not though 26 is high that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to relate them to other albums now you know right but it really is just the feeling that i'm in at the time and i just think it's like i don't know i guess here's the thing i'll put it in perspective here it's as good to me as chocolate starfish i think okay Wow. For, to me, as a, to me, not you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, not me. Well, I'm saying that chocolate starfish is extremely important to you, but it wasn't important as an album to me, you right. know? Right. Like it was like you, you liked those songs. You knew those songs from before. Uh, this album is that for me. I think I'm like my, my perspective on this fucking thing is just colored by how much I loved it at the time and how much it influenced me and, and like uh, uh, how cool I thought the guys were back at that time. Like it's all influenced by that. And I truly think stitches and revival revival, one of the most romantic songs ever written (laughs) and stitches is a very good song. So, I mean, and blue Monday's fine. So yeah, 15, that sounds fair to me. Nice. I like that. I, I would probably go, uh, I'll go like, uh, four, I think. Oh, I thought you were going to go seven. Four is like middle of the road. I mean, 10 is like my highest ever. So or 11. So I think like four is like reasonable, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I go to bat for blue Monday. There's fun stuff to talk about with Jay Gordon and that kind of thing, but there's just too many, too many, not great songs and too many of Kind of like it was a good album. I but I don't know that it's like one that I'm gonna listen to a lot 
after we're done re- recording this. Like I, it was better than I was expecting, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, what an album, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can get why you would even feel that's why it's like, this is so weird to me. Cause it really isn't great. It is. It wasn't like the easiest thing to spend. A, I, I, I had an easier time with this than a lot of other albums, but that dead spot in the middle is really fucking tough. Yeah. It's not great. It's really fucking, you just want to skip ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear I'm, I'm with you. We're on the same page, when but I got to, I gotta say, dead spot in the middle better than like uh uh, just front loaded. I think I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, that's true. That's true for sure. And I don't feel like the album peters out. Like I said, I think it it finishes strong for sure. Wow, the dizzy sucks. I think dizzy's pretty good. I thought it was fine. I, I don't, don't like. Think the, the, I just saw it as a bore. waste of the, time. The chorus isn't great, but it, I mean, it's good. Revival could have easily finished the album though. That's what um, I would have done. That's what yeah. I would have done. Fucking yeah. dizzy. That's fair. Uh, okay, we're now uh, we're we're almost at the end. We've got the challenge now. Um, so this is uh, again, if you're new to the show, every month we do uh, we do a challenge based on uh, something to do with this record. And uh, last month we did uh, the the Limp Biscuit, the Chocolate Starfish Challenge, was to write a diss track uh, in the in the you know style of Limp Biscuit, and uh, I won. Very close vote, fifty three percent to forty seven. Uh, but I, I took it down with system of a frown. So I think that makes me, uh, I think it's now eight, four and one in my favor, but I think I got one though. I yeah, think I this think, week I, I could win. Okay. I think you could too. So this is, so the challenge. So one, uh, funny quote that we didn't get to, uh, in the article, but, um, orgy obviously, you know, has a very obvious sexual connotation, the name orgy, uh, but orgy, the band has insisted that it was not a sexually influenced name that they, that they never intended for the name to be sexual, that it was merely a representation of the fact that they were combining a bunch of sounds, that their music was an orgy of sounds like industrial and electronica and new metal and stuff like that, which is obviously bullshit. Um, you know, Jay Gordon is a businessman. He knew exactly what he was doing, naming his band orgy, not an idiot. Um, I mean, he is an idiot, but he's a businessman. Um, so our challenge this month is to come up with a band name that sounds very provocative, but has an alternate meaning. So Brian, uh, you, you go first, you tell us your band name and, and what the, what the true meaning of it is, even though it seems provocative. So my band, my singer in this band sings like a bird he just sings so well right and we do a little bit of the uh uh, drum machine type stuff we use beats you know so my band's called beaten peckers and that is (laughs) the name of my band beaten peckers yeah we're beaten peckers man it doesn't have anything to do with with whacking off though it's just no yeah definitely not yeah nothing to do with whacking off but it's like how we sing like a bird and we have some of the best we like my drummer has the sickest beats in the country (laughs) and my singer sings like a fucking bird we're beating peckers baby I love that. I mean, that's nice. I like that you kind of went into like Kid Rock voice when you were like promoting your band there, which was good. Would there uh, be? That's what my band would be, actually. Okay. No, that's fair. 
Uh, <laughs> my, uh, so my band is, uh, you know, kind of inspired by orgy whose biggest song was a, was a cover song. Um, we actually are, it's kind of like a bit of a novelty band. Um, and, uh, we get famous off of doing a cover of Chris Cross's jump. Uh, and that's like our, that's our big thing. We're just, we get super famous. We only release it as a single. We have no other songs. We just have a really very good cover of Chris Cross's jump. And our band is called nailed to the cross. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We nailed, we nailed the Chris Cross cover to me though. And it's not, it's not, it's not, not religious in any way. We didn't even think of that. We spelled cross with a K <laughs> because obviously Chris Cross was spelled with K's. And the POD cast is too. So that's so, yeah. How sad is that? How sad would that be, though, that you were a band famous for a cover song <laughs> and then you named your band after the fucking cover song? It's a novelty, that's man. That's humiliating to it me. It is. That would be humiliating. It is. This whole thing is humiliating, but that's how we roll. <laughs> I mean, what can, what can you do? That's we just, this we were, we were vibing. We're like, what do we even call this band? And we're like, well, we're nailing this crisscross cover. I know, nailed to the cross. It's like if Alien Ant Farm <laughs> called themselves Smooth Criminal, though, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's more creative than that, but that wouldn't that be an embarrassing thing to it do? Would be. If you were in a band and you did a cover, like people would just think you were a fucking tribute band, actually. That's yeah. really the thing. We are. We are. And we're also that, too. And we're available for bar mitzvahs and uh, other events, <laughs> weddings, funerals, you name it. You're hired. I mean, I think you're going to hire for I think my wedding, gonna, but I think I you're going to win this one. You can sing. I think Beaten Peckers is if probably going to take it down. <laughs> Be, if if you, can you play my wedding? I I need you to learn the song "Revival" by Orgy. Actually, <laughs> a band we that can. does not have any. Their name has no sexual connotations at all. Exactly. If it had a sexual connotation, I wouldn't be able to cover it because of my religion. And a lot of people don't know <laughs> that I'm actually quite religious because I'm in a band called Nailed to the Cross, but. Jesus means a lot to me. So, um, <laughs> okay. We're going to get to the, uh, poll before we do that. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you like the show, uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And of course we spell cast with a K like the band corn and like the band nailed to the cross. Uh, we, um, we do one bonus episode every month. We just did a bonus episode last month with Jesse Farrar. We did the mission impossible Two soundtrack, uh, which was a blast. We had a great time. And this month, uh, we've got a very special bonus episode coming up. Uh, Brian and I are going to be welcoming our, our respective podcast hosts on the program. Uh, Brett from street fight radio and Stefan from blocked party will be joining us to review corn unplugged, uh, which is a very manly album. Uh, and, uh, it'll be great to have Stefan and Brett on for that. So that's going to be really fun. So if you want to get in on that, it's just four bucks a month. Uh, and that's over at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And again, if you want to donate more than that, if you donate 50 bucks, you can tell us what to do for a bonus episode. We're currently booked until February. A lot of people have a lot of albums they want us to do. So if you want to get in on that too, you want to get in line, uh, you can, all the information's on the Patreon there. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. That's where we do all of the polls and everything like that. So if you were like, how could I, how come I didn't vote on last month's challenge or, or last month's poll, it's all up there. So follow us on Twitter, the POD underscore cast. Brian, we're at the end of the show. We didn't get to do a poll this month because Jordan, uh, you know, gave us candy ass. So the, the poll is back. 
Uh, this is where uh, Brian and I both nominate two records each uh, for your consideration. Uh, and then if you, uh, and then you, you'll vote on them and you'll, you'll decide what record we review next month. So Brian, which, which two albums are you putting on the poll this month? Uh, so I'm going to put a big one and a small one on here okay. and, and kind of see what happens here. Okay. Uh, the first one I'm going to put on there is untouchables. Ooh, by Korn. I was considering a corn album this month too. So, okay. I like that untouchables. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want to do like a main corn album. I'm yeah. not going to do Life is Peachy or, or the, but Untouchables, I've been listening to Here to Stay a lot. Here to Stay is one of Corn's best songs. That's one of my hottest takes about corn. Yeah, it's a great song. And it's then my second one I'm going to do is uh, uh, Crazy Town. <laughs> 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 Let me get the, the Gift of Game. I think oh is what the album. God. Yes, the gift of game, Crazy Town. The Do we gift have to watch uh, Shifty Shell Shock and uh, Celebrity Rehab as part of the episode? Or I mean, I will watch. I mean, some I will too. Incredible, um, man! <laughs> wow, two great choices. I feel like I have two pretty solid choices this month too. I think this is going to be a tight poll. Uh, I'm going to put another album up that got quite a few votes when I put it up the last time, and I think it's one that people have wanted us to talk about. Uh, because it is, it kind of falls under a little bit of torture for us, but was a huge album, and that is uh, "Break the Cycle" by Stained. Uh, I'm going to put that back up on the poll, see how that does. I mean, it's against two heavy hitters over on your side, and then this one was actually uh, so. If you donate ten dollars a month to the Patreon, uh, Brian and I will do a text review of an album for you. So we'll listen to it, and we'll just give you a little a little text review of it, and. Um, someone suggested this album or they, they said they, they, they donated 10 bucks and they wanted this for their text review. But I was like, we've never put this band up on the poll. I know they're a band. A lot of people like, and then this would save us from having to do the text review. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, and that is uh fear factory obsolete. Oh shit. <laughs> Whatever wins except for crazy town. I'm happy. Yeah. So there I'm, you go. So that's, what's going I up mean, on the stained. poll. Stained and Crazy Town are definitely the least optimal choices. It just depends on but, what people uh, want to hear. I mean, we've done two, like, quote unquote, good albums in a row. So people might want to see us do something a little bit more bad. But I don't know. It's Fear Factory's first time on the poll in 14 episodes. So maybe they'll be strong. Who knows? But that poll will usually it usually goes up around the end fuck, of the month. Obsolete is so good. Yeah. So it usually goes up around the end of the month. So again, follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. Around the end of October, look for those polls, uh, and you can decide whether we listen to Untouchables, The Gift of Game, Obsolete, or Break the Cycle. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, the pod underscore cast, and we will see you back here next month. Goodbye.